Welcome to Mending Fences, a podcast about effective ways to communicate and live with differences. I'm Patrice Bremner. And I'm Jen Hawthorne. We're both family law mediators and collaborative law attorneys, but our conversations go well beyond family law. We explore the personal, interpersonal, legal, and cultural impact of conflict. Hi, and welcome back to Mending Fences. This is Patrice Bremner, and I'm here with Jen Hawthorne. And we're... Hi, Jen. We're we're continuing a conversation that we've had in the background for weeks now about blended families and co-parenting. And today we're going to talk, I think, a little more in depth about the rebalancing of roles that might happen in some families where there's been maybe a primary parental person, for want of a better term, and how that can, might shift as you go through a divorce and post-divorce. Right. Like you hear about it all the time in media and social media. There's often a default parent in an intact family. And that can happen based on conscious choice where parents make a decision that one parent is going to be the default parent because they're staying at home and the other parent is earning the money for the family. Or sometimes that happens unconsciously or, or without plan is maybe a better way to say it where one person just happens to be more available for various reasons, even when both parents are working. And one parent ends up in the habit of scheduling all the appointments and taking the children to the doctors and making sure that you have parent-teacher conferences and all of that. And that can feel like, I think, for a lot of people, an identity that then is challenged at the time of a divorce. And when... Folks are going through the mediation process or the collaborative process. There's an opportunity to talk about what that feels like and how challenging that is to to have that feel like it might be threatened. And what Patrice and I were talking about just before we hit record is, you know, in the litigation process, oftentimes that's not talked about. It's just sort of, okay, here's your new parenting times. And if either parent is not or if the parents are not successfully communicating, there can be a lot of ongoing conflict about who is supposed to have what role moving forward coming out of a divorce. Yeah, so it's the it's the rebalancing of those roles and it it's a process. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And I think, you know, if you're going through a mediated process or a collaborative um, law process, you have an opportunity if you can live separately during that process, you have an opportunity to sort of try different parenting schedules, develop communication channels and try them. Like, what is it like if we're texting about these issues? What is it like if we're emailing instead of jumping on the phone? What is it like if, you know, we share, what is it like if we're making joint decisions about medical things and educational things, but not day-to-day homework or, you know, or things like that. What happens when the school nurse calls and calls the wrong parent? How do you as parents handle that? Are you telling the nurse, oh, it's not my day and hanging up? Are you reaching out to the other parent? Are you picking the child up and not telling the other parent whose day it is? You have a lot of choices to make in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And it is, it just, it takes time. I think that's something I've learned just through observation that Mm -hmm. you can have a meeting with people and reach an agreement about a schedule and what those roles will be according to the schedule. Like when, when it's, 
you know, quote unquote, my day, I'm responsible for everything. And I don't have to tell you about what I do during my time because it's my parenting time. There's that kind of Mm -hmm. uh, mindset. And, And you can come up with a schedule that reflects whatever you've decided in a given meeting, but actually living it and trying it and having to drive back and forth, you know, whatever those distances are and whatever the rest of your schedule looks like, you don't know it until you try it. And you might have to try it and then try it again and then try it again and keep talking to each other about it. The reality is as your children grow older, their needs are going to change and their activity levels change. And you might find yourselves, you know, when they're, depending on when you're going through this process, when they're toddlers and you're dropping them off at daycare, you probably already know what traffic looks like from each of your respective households and things like that. But as kids get older and they're involved in all sorts of activities and there's multiple kids, some families find themselves needing to rely on each other more because it's not physically possible to be in all the places all the time. That's right. So there's there's that. So there's just the physical moving them around, moving the kids around and and making sure they're where they need to be, when they need to be. There's all of that that really has to be, you know, somewhat predictable, but remain flexible. But there's also, I want to go back to what you were talking about, like the challenging the identity of the default parent and how really painful that can be. And sometimes it it's related to what might have brought people to a divorce. You know, Mm -hmm. if parents discover incompatibility with each other through parenting, it can be extremely challenging to have these conversations. And there's a great benefit, I think, in doing it in a safe place with a mediator or in a collaborative law setting so that you can kind of walk carefully walk through these issues and start to discover where your shared interests are. And I think, I mean, I'll just be frank, like in my family, I'm that parent. I'm the default parent. I attend all of the you know, school meetings and I'm in communication with the school and have been for years and I'm the contact person for all the medical stuff and and social schedule and and all of that. And and my spouse is not excluded from decision making, but neither is he included day to day in all the background stuff. And and it would feel to give that up would feel like an identity shift for me. And it would be scary. It would be scary to think that somebody else was going to step into that. Yes. I, at the time I was getting divorced, that was definitely sort of how my family operated as well. Um, And since then, my children's father has, you know, I'm still doing a lot of the scheduling, but over time he is doing some of the scheduling And he is handling some of the activities on his own and I handle some of the others and some of them we're doing really jointly and we're really coordinating. How are we going to get our children from this place to that place? And I think folks listening to this podcast in the last podcast we talked about um, where my co-parenting came up might hear this as, oh, well, you're probably just one of those families where you just, you know, you got divorced and everything was peachy and you just stayed friends and that's not how it started. Um, and so I am a pretty open person and I'm willing to share that, that it took a lot of work to get to get here to yeah. a place where I'm okay saying he 
has taken on some of my roles and our communication has gotten a ton better and it's taken a lot of work. Even doing this work myself, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, I I can imagine. And the other piece I want to touch on, if we can, if we have time, is beyond scheduling. I think one of one of the other areas that I hear people really struggle is in in beyond not 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 including scheduling, but just discipline or you know other behavior stuff with kids, expectations within a home, and you know when I was a litigator, my mindset was, you know, if it's your parenting time, it's your rules, it's your house, it's your rules, it's your time. And when it's the other person's parenting time, it's their house and their rules. And they spend their time and parent the way that they're going to parent. And and you're not in a position to tell each other how to parent. I think that's kind of the mindset, right? Definitely. But I've come to understand over many years of now doing mediation and collaborative law, that sometimes these are conversations that parents do have to have with one another. And if you can find a a communication channel that works for you to share information about what's going on in the household that doesn't feel intrusive and it doesn't feel unwarranted, it's worthwhile. And we see it come up around how many hours are the kids on social media? How many hours are the kids playing video games versus doing homework? What's the expectation about, you know, chores in one house versus the other. These are great conversations to have in mediation. I mean, I think anyone with a preteen teenager who has a child who plays video games or is on their phone a lot, for example, when you're talking about discipline and correcting behaviors and things like that with a child, I know as a parent, one of the strongest threats you can make to uh, someplace between, I'm going to guess 12 and 18, I don't have an 18-year-old yet, maybe even 10 and 18, is if you are not listening to what I'm saying, I'm going to take your device, right? That's a lot less effective if they know they're going to the other parent's house the next day and they're going to get their device back right away. So just from a, how are you raising your children and managing their behaviors that that might need correcting? Um, Working together can get you a long way because if you have the ability to text the other parent and say, hey, listen, this is what happened. I'm taking away their phone. I think they should not have their phone back until at least the weekend. Are you on board with this? That that unity can drive a very specific message to your child if your child's behavior needs a change. Right. But that it only works if the parents have, right. Well, not just talked, but have, have developed and maintained an alliance <laughs> as co-parents and recognize that it's in the children's best interest that they have that. Well, right. And the second step is what if you send that message to the other parent and the other parent says, I don't agree with that. Because as you pointed out, Patrice, a lot of the time, we see folks who are getting divorced because they had very different ideas about parenting. And so that is a a realistic possibility. And so for our listeners, we don't want you to hear that it has to go this way to successfully raise children. There are strategies around what happens if you can't get on board with each other um, in terms of, of parallel parenting and how you can each manage that. But knowing in advance what might happen with whatever you're saying to your child at the other parent's household because you've had a conversation 
about what each of your limits are in terms of what you're willing to do for those sorts of things is also helpful because you might not. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and I think that my own parenting, I might not issue that threat if I knew they were going to get their device back the next day because it's not going to work. Right. That's right. And it's it's like with everything, it's just parenting can be really rewarding, really challenging. And and if you're going to be doing it as co-parents, there's an opportunity in in these process options that Jen and I talk about to, you know, to really talk through some of these issues. And you won't be able to think of everything in advance, but you'll be able to build a framework for what happens when, what happens if. How will we respond to each other? And you start building that through, you know, mutually acceptable communication channels and, and it takes time. You just build it. And over time, as you were saying, Jen, like, you you know, you, you, what you experienced in your post-divorce parenting life is probably different than you expected somewhat, even though you see people go through this all the time, but you've built enough of a foundation to build, to, to kind of grow into that. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true. And it, again, I'll share for me, when I feel challenged in that, I I fall back on what I tell my clients to do. Like if they're in a really hard mediation and they're talking about parenting and they're not able to get on the same page, you know, one mediation technique is to say as a mediator, can I see a picture of your kids? Let's look at a picture of your children together. And so for myself, when I'm feeling really challenged, I will just look at my children and remember, like, this is for them. This is for them. This is what's important to them. This is why I need to be the best version of myself in this moment, even though I don't want to be. I think that feels like a really good place to wrap this up. And we'll keep talking. Yes, we will. Always. Thanks, Jen. Thank you.